Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde. And Chris Fuller. And on today's episode of Real Talk Christian, we are talking about the tongue, a weapon or a tool. Only one way to find out. Let's go. Thank you for joining us at Real Talk Christian, a place where real Christians talk about real issues impacting the community and the world as it pertains to Christians. Now here are your hosts, Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. Mr. Hyde, what's going on, sir? Nothing. Just... (laughs) Just, just living another, the dream, man. Just another podcast. I'm living the dream. It's another day. The sun is shining. I, I need I need some sun, but I also need some rain because my grass the, is looking I thought, sad. Uh, yeah, well, mine was a little brown, so I mean, hopefully we get some rain this next week. But you know, it's it's kind of the the, the old you know how are you doing? I'm I'm blessed more than I deserve. I'm kicking up gold dust on Hallelujah Avenue. That is the weirdest. Thing. You've never <laughs> heard that that saying before? I've heard it. I just yeah. I don't like it. It's weird. I'm kicking up golden dust. There ain't gonna be no dust in heaven because that means someone's got to clean it, and cleaning is that is not a perfect place. If that's we got to clean. That is not a perfect. place. It's like a fairy dust sprinkle. That's what it is. A fairy dust. <laughs> so, are you saying there's fairies in heaven? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't been there. There's Fuller's fun fact. <laughs> a minute and a half in, but either way, so Fuller, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the tongue. Is it a tool or is it a weapon? So, what do you mean by that? Is it a tool or is it a weapon? Oh. Yeah, you just have to slap me with that one right off the right bat, off don't the you? Bat, man. man. Jeez, can't even ease has, into has it. Has the coffee kicked in yet? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, is it a tool or is it a weapon? Uh, how, how we use our tongue uh, can either be to edify and uplift or can be used to hurt and tear down. That's kind of what that title means. Yeah, definitely. Now, do you think this is a problem that Americans, Christians, people deal with in today's culture? Well, definitely people all over the world have always struggled with this throughout time and history or else it wouldn't be so many references in the Bible to it. Um, but I definitely think in, in church society today, uh, we tend to get a little bit more judgy with it. Okay. Uh, you know, I somebody could say something and be like, oh, well, that's, that's a substitute word for this, and that's a substitute word for this, which is a cuss word. And oh, so how is that edifying? You know, that whole... Who was the comedian that did the Christian cuss words? Tim Hawkins? Tim Hawkins, did I think, the, yeah. In the Christian cuss words. So, um, so let's just jump right into this conversation. I mean, obviously, having the tongue's the problem. I mean, I think social media just accents the problem or accentuates the problem where the fact of, you know, the human heart and condition is not necessarily a wonderful place to be. Right. And a lot of times what comes out of our mouth is inside of our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, let, me, let me throw out a, a quote here from Washington Irving. The quote says, the tongue is the only tool that gets sharper with use. So what does that mean to you, Mark? What, what, what does it mean that the tongue is a tool that only gets sharper with use? Well, I think of the tools that I use all the time for, you know, home remodels and mm-hmm. everything like that. I mean, I'm always throwing away reciprocating saw blades, right. having replaced tile saws and circular saws and whatnot. And it's the more you use it, the more dull it gets, which then means it's no longer effective right. or, um, or good to go. Um, you know, the tongue's one of those really powerful things. And, um, you know, you might laugh at this, but my tongue 
has got, well, th- this can be taken wrong, I know, but my tongue has gotten me into more problems than any <laughs> other thing in the world. I know people are reading into that like, yeah, Mark, you're terrible. But, but uh, growing up as a kid, I actually had anger issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes my anger issues resulted in physicalness, like uh, uh, maybe a couple weeks after my dad passed away when I was a kid, which we talked about in episode one of the right. podcast. I busted my brother's head open because he did a smart aleck comment. So I grabbed my deodorant stick and went, bam, and it split it right open. Wow. But I wasn't known for using my fist. I don't like getting into fights. It, it sounds weird. Like, I, I didn't like getting hurt right. unless it was, you know, for a sport, soccer, basketball, whatever. But I was very good at my tongue. In fact, I mean, I used to chew people up and down. Um, I'm very good at the under the table comments when the teacher tells you, all right, Mark, be quiet. And I get one last little jab in there at my classmates and they can't say nothing. Um, And in fact, fourth grade, I sat in the hallway every single day because (laughs) of my smart mouth. Best, I mean, the irony of the story was my teacher was my mom. So that probably didn't help. But I mean... when I hear the fact that the tongue is something that gets sharper the more it's used, that's not necessarily a bad thing, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, we instantly think of, of how I'd ha- handle my tongue and, and the struggles I've had in life of my tongue has gotten me into trouble, whether by gossiping or speaking too much, not saying the right thing. Part of it is I'm, I'm a verbal processor, mm-hmm. so I need to be able to verbally process with someone without the fear of having that come back in my face and hurt me. But at the right. same time... I've done a lot of damage with my tongue, but then again, on the flip side, if it's a tool to be used that only gets sharper, sometimes you want your tool sharp for certain things, Mm -hmm. whether, um, you know, when you're cutting through a brand new sheet of OSB or concrete board, you don't want something dull. You need something sharp to get the job done. Right, exactly. Or if you're trying to cut into a bag of Cheetos, you want some sharp scissors. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> Bro, no one uses scissors. To I'm a fat Cheetos. kid, you know. No one uses scissors. Are your hands not strong enough, Fuller? <laughs> They're tiny hands. Yeah, you have, you have baby hands. You have the little, the little, the little Donald Trump baby hands from, S- from SNL. Goodness. No. So, oh, man, so yeah. going back to the tool, it's. It's it's one of those things where the 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 tongue is such a uh, a a masterful thing when you know how to use it. You right. know, you think of these great orators, um, people who have spoken with the tongue and it has just moved people and congregations. I mean, the the great awakenings mm-hmm. started because of people who just spoke and used their tongue. So you see, on on the one side, yeah, your tongue could get you in a lot of trouble, but at the same time, I mean. When you speak truth in, into someone's life, that right. tongue is an amazing thing, too. Yeah, well, let's, I, I, you know, for Mr. Soche, Pastor Soche, who scolded me for not using so much scripture, I've got a scripture. And then we brought him onto the podcast, yeah. and I'm just going to say, right. we didn't use very much scripture, Mr. Yeah, Soche. what's up with that? <laughs> Anyways, I got, a, I got a scripture verse that basically uh, backs up what you're saying, and it says, uh, it's Proverbs 18, 21, and it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So your tongue can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Um, you can build people up. You can tear people down. You can get in trouble and have to sit outside of class in fourth grade for the whole year. Or you can go and preach the gospel of God. Sometimes it just be like that. So looking at all that, um, how do we control uh, what comes out of our mouth? Um no, if, no, no, I know what you're saying. Bad. Right. Like, like, how do we make sure what's coming out is actually good? Right. Um, I'll tell you what I tell my teenagers all the time. Um, I'll, I'll do the, the version that I do from the pulpit, and then I'll do the version I do in the student ministry. The pulpit right. version is, is garbage in, garbage out. Right. Student ministry version is crap in, whole lot of crap out. <laughs> I mean, so I, I can't, yeah. 
But anywho, so it's it's the easy answer of what you put in is what you produce. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in in student ministry, our youth pastor used to say our mouth was just a glorified printer that never ran out of ink. Right. The the printer. I mean, you think of your, your normal computer, like the one or the normal printer, sorry, like what's sitting behind me. It only prints what my computer tells it to print, right. where it tells it to print, what color ink it tells it to print. It's not a it's a very unuseful tool until it's told what to do. Mm-hmm. Once it's told what to do, that's what makes the beautiful print things that we have. Yeah. The tongue's the same way. In and of itself, it's actually not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice because you can taste things, you can talk, you can do these things. But in and of itself, you can't control your tongue. Or sorry, your tongue... It's not the fact you can't control your tongue. It's more the fact of your tongue is literally useless, useless unless you tell it what to do. Mm-hmm. So if your tongue, therefore, is a byproduct of what's going on, the easy, really easy answer is the fact of the tongue is what's going on on the inside. The condition of the heart results in the the words that come out of the mouth. So what you're saying is like if we want our the things out of our mouth to be good and edifying, uh, we should dedicate our our mind, tongue, and heart daily to God. Oh, exactly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, even uh, Solomon talked about that in Proverbs. In Proverbs 10, 20, it starts with the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. In other words, the tongue of those who do good is a a very valuable thing. So the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. However, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. So even Solomon compares the tongue to the heart, and they are inter- they they are so intertwined you cannot separate the mm-hmm. heart from the tongue. Well, that, yeah, I mean, uh, I've got another scripture to throw in there since we're throwing out scripture for Pastor Soche. <laughs> uh, Luke six forty five says the good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth uh, what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. So what would you say then to someone? Because I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, not certain people in particular, but maybe certain people in particular who, you know, they profess to be believers. They, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they, they go to church, whether our church or other ones, and you hear what they say, you see what they write on Facebook, on social media, right. how they respond to people, the things they post, and not just the things they post, but the what they say that goes along with that post. When you look at that and you're like, that is the like that's not kindness at all. Right. But they profess to be believers. What would you tell someone then with that situation in mind, saying, you know what, I either can't control what comes out, or you know what, I just say whatever comes to my mind, and who cares? The people just you know you know grow some tough skin and get over it. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, I think it's all about uh, what you feed into uh, is kind of what shows out. And and I want to go ahead and there's an old Cherokee parable that i'd like to read um yeah i know this is a real talk christian this is random this is, but this is don't you have cherokee in like it's so cherokee blood i do but it's so minute that it like it's just not even worth like it won't get me anything like it won't get you a college no not at all okay it's like probably less than five percent <laughs> it's so small but yes but anywho yes there is cherokee in there but uh so the Cherokee parable goes, an old Cherokee chief was teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside of me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, self-doubt, and ego. The other is good. He is joy, peace, love, 
hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. This same fight is going on inside of you and inside of every other person too. The grandson, the grandson thought about this for a minute and he asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old chief simply replied, the one you feed. So the reason why I read that parable, and I know it's kind of long, uh, but it talks about, you know, you, you said, you know, there's Christians out there and you can kind of, you know, in this day and age, social media can be a good thing or a bad thing, which that'll be a later, later topic. conversation. But when you post something, if it's bad, it's there. And like, uh, <laughs> it's there for the world to see. And that kind of right. reflects uh, what your heart is. So that's feeding. Uh, if it's something good and uplifting and uh, edifying, you're feeding that good wolf. You're, you're, you're surrounding yourself with the word of God, uh, his ways. Uh, you feed that good wolf. But if it's something bad, it's showing that your heart is feeding that bad wolf. Uh, and, and that wolf, you know, that's why the grandson asked which one will win. And it says the one you feed, you know, so if you're feeding into what's good, uh, you know, the, the word of God, prayer, church meetings, um, all these other things, uh, it's going to produce good fruit. And if you don't, then it's going to produce sinful ways. So does that parable, which, which let's be honest, I mean, Jesus even used stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But does that Cherokee parable, does that work for someone who doesn't claim to follow Jesus? Or is that a different Oh, a I, I definitely, no, I definitely think it, that parable would apply. Um, the only problem is, <laughs> is there's that scripture that says there's n- no one is good. No, not one. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I believe it was G was it Jesus? Talk? I don't remember. I'll have to look it up. There is none righteous. No, not one. Yeah. I, I can't. That's an old cubby verse, man. It's like, yeah, it's, and it's shortened down. It's not the whole verse. But. I'm going to guess it's the apostle Paul. Cause he wrote the whole Bible. Yeah, just about well, at least the New Testament, eh, half the New Testament, and David wrote the Old Testament, so it was that's just, true. <laughs> Paul's but, still the goat, but it, yeah, it talks. You know, so yes, uh, as a non-believer, you can feed things that are good, uh, but you don't have that good wolf in you because mm. that goodness only comes from God. We're nothing but filthy rags, otherwise. So. Uh, Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, no, no that's a, that's a whole other topic, yeah. but yes and no. Uh, you definitely could do good things, but they're not going to mean anything. Right, so, but, but speaking specifically with Christians, I mean, that's kind of what we talk about where if you want to be more like Jesus, you got to fill yourself up with, with more Jesus. I yeah, mean, how do, you, how do you expect to be called a Christian? Which, mm-hmm. I mean, what's funny, and, th- and, and this is what a lot of people don't understand, when you see the word Christian in Scripture— Christians did not call themselves Christians. They were, no. they called themselves were followers of the way, right? Or disciples, um, or disciples, right? We're disciples of Jesus. We're followers of the way. It was actually the people in the community of the Romans, the the Greeks, wherever they were, who called them Christians because they right. were little Christ, right? Because they Christ-like, acted right. like they acted like their Messiah, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so many times we look at it at you know, and it might be because we have America, we have freedom, so therefore we really don't have to put our money where our mouth is right. in terms of being a Christian and. Um, standing up for our faith, because here days we think persecution is Facebook 
making one of our online Jesus online posts disappear. Yeah. Online <laughs> online bullying. Online bullying in oh goodness, in which like, I'm not downplaying that. No, no, <laughs> but hey, I mean, it's not like we're getting chucked into coliseums right. to have lines come at us twenty four seven. While I watch my son and you know my kids have to suffer first, and then my spouse, and then maybe me. Or even nowadays, like uh, some of the issue or things I've heard going on over in China, where Christians are being arrested and tortured to give up other Christians for their faith. Right, and I mean, those are the Christians that really put their money where their mouth right. is. But you know, it's it's the 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 old old thing where if you want to if if you want to build muscle, you got to work out. You right. got to put in the time. You can't sit on the couch eating back to Cheetos. You can't yeah, just be Cheetos. sitting watching eating eating Cheetos. You know, drinking your YooHoo, watching right. some Madam Secretary. You ain't gonna be a professional. Nothing. Maybe a professional couch potato. Yeah. Um, so you got to put the work in, and, and Christianity is the same way, specifically with with our tongue. Um, well, let was. me take it in the direction you while it. you gather your thoughts here. Uh, so how can we do this? You know, I, I hear a lot of Christians say, okay, well, where do I start? Do I, do I just, you know, read the Bible, or, or what do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I would say the first thing you need to do is intentionally pray that God would make you aware of your words. And... Uh, David wrote in Psalm nineteen fourteen. it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Uh, we can't do anything. We are not good without Christ. So there's nothing we can do uh, without him. So we need to intentionally ask him for help. And what I mean by intentionally is not like, Oh, hey, God. Uh, yeah, just uh, it's me here again, Chris. And uh, yeah, could you just help change my heart? Like, that's not intentional. That's like, okay, that's a blanket statement that, that okay, maybe might get answered. But if you're not really being intentional about it and, and begging and crying out to God like David did, how many times do we see through the Psalms that David crying out to God right. and being intentional with his prayers about something that he desired? Uh, and I think it's the... It's the same thing here. If you want to change your tongue, if you want to tame your tongue, you have to intentionally pray to God that he helps you, and then you have to be intentional, uh, just like the uh, this first of this year, the sermon series that Pastor Scott did. You have to be in, intentional uh, about trying to control it and feeding that good wolf, quote-unquote. Right, definitely. Um, we read in James 3, verses 5 and 6, that... So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue members staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. And we, we see that the tongue is a very scary thing when it's out of line. And and what I hear you're saying is the fact of if if we don't want our tongue to cause fire and destruction and harm, there's only one solution from that. It's right. God to change our hearts. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we definitely need that change from God. John Piper says, when the heart f- is full of God's love, uh, we can draw. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me start that again. When the heart full of God's love can draw on the mind full of God's word, timely blessings flow from the mouth. So I, I, I hear a lot of Christians uh focusing so much on what we can and cannot or what we cannot say you know oh christians can't cuss christians can't you know talk about this christians and i get that but rather than focusing on that let's focus on what the scripture tells us to do and that's to 
edify and uplift and encourage. If we focus on that, those, those other things won't be around. You know, where our heart is, there's, you know, our mouth will lie. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, we even see that in Romans 8. I mean, it's, it's talking about a bit of a different passage. At least I, I believe it's Romans, Romans 8. I'll have to go back and check on the actual reference. But it's the whole idea of, you know, should we go on sinning so that way grace may abound? And the Apostle Paul says, oh, I, no, for sure no. Yeah. But in fact, use your freedom to edify and to build up one another right. in using your tongue in that. Um, I want to segue real quick in this conversation because we talked about edifying, and, and I think we need to you know, define edifying mm-hmm. a little bit, and that, that's more of in encouraging and building up someone towards everything that's good in, in faith and godliness um, and pushing someone to who, who they're supposed to be in Christ. Right. Um, so speaking of edifying, and we even see the Word of God is good for edifying. How do we use our tongues as Christians correctly— to help push other believers towards following Jesus, whether it's rebuking, whether it's confronting, whether it's challenging, whether it's coming alongside. How can Christians use our tongues in a good way in those hard situations? Well, I think Colossians 4, 6 answers that question a little bit. Colossians, what what is Colossians? How many Christians are like, oh yeah, I love reading Colossians, but uh, I I found this scripture very edifying. I enjoy it too. First John's my book though, but... Yeah, I like First Peter and James. Those are my books. But anyways, uh, Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. If you go back to... Matthew Back to five, Matthew, yep. you know, we talked about that. That's, that's my other jam, that, that chapter right there. And then it says, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So hmm. let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Yeah. Break that down for me a little bit. So I believe it was Galatians six, you know, talking to, to, uh, Christians that have lost their way have fallen into sin. Galatians six one talks about um, speaking with gentleness. You know, though you know we don't not say anything, but we do it with gentleness and with love. And I think that's really where Christians need to focus on is that when we encourage, when we edify, when we comfort, no matter the situation—good times, bad times, sad times, happy times—that should always be in gentleness and in love with grace. Because that's what we get. Without God, we wouldn't have anything. We'd be just as filthy as the worst sinner out there. But because of the grace of God and the mercy of God, we have a renewed mind. Mm-hmm. And so because we have a renewed mind, we have to show the same compassion to everyone in every situation as Christ has shown to us. And more than just that as well. I mean, we also read that we're called to the ministry of reconciliation mm-hmm. as well. And, and it goes back to the purpose. You know, why are you confronting that person? Are you confronting that person? Like, I know some people who are type D personalities, and they just speak whatever's on their mind, and they don't really care what you think about what they say. So let me stop you there. Uh-oh. Describe the types for those listeners oh, that may goodness. not know the types. Oh, goodness. I don't types. know the type off the top of oh, my head. You're okay. sitting here saying, all oh, type D, and it's like, oh, well, maybe people don't know what those types are. Uh that's okay. Good thing we got the Google. Well, Here we go. What you got it? I was gonna say I could fill it in with another scripture for Pastor Soche again. For Pastor Soche. <laughs> no, the types are, are pretty cool. I've actually been more into um, enneagrams. Actually, I haven't gone like full fledged. Um, <laughs> I haven't gone full absolute fledged enneagram crazy like some people do. Yeah. Where it's like. 
I'm a four, I'm a three, I'm a seven, I'm a two, and this is all I can be and whatnot. No, Honestly, I'm, I'm not that great. I don't know anything about those either, so... Uh, I'm an I'm, not, I'm, I'm an I'm an Enneagram five with the wing two. And I'm not seven, a trender, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, um, you know, you get different personalities and different views. I mean, you, you got your Type A personality, which is more my personality, where you got to have your ducks in a row. You're more bullet point form. Um, it's best explained in forms of sermon notes. Mm-hmm. If if you are a person taking sermon notes, you want to be told here's the four things, here's the three things, right. here's the six things from this passage. Let's walk through them. And okay, here's one, here's two, here's three, here's four, here's five, here's right. six. You put it together, it's a presentation. Type A peoples love presentations. They love charts and graphs and all the various fun things that, you know, the 11th Doctor and Doctor Who. They do great in the upper slage of management in the corporate world. Exactly. Yeah, no, your your type, normally when you look at your CEOs, most of them I would say are type Mm -hmm. A's. Um, You got your type B personality, which are your hippies. Yeah. For lack of a better word, you have you have your hippies, and and those back to sermon illustration and sermon joke. It's the more the um, you just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and all of a sudden you get to the end. It's like okay, here's what you're supposed to do about it. Have a good weekend. The type A people's like, I wrote nothing down. <laughs> I couldn't follow like, you. Like where, do, like bro, where's my where's my th- my intro, my three points, and my poem, and my conclusion? Like where in the hymn, right? In my closing hymn, where's my stuff at? Where's and the altar you know, call and, and the <laughs> altar call and oh, we got eat some communion bread. I right. want the whole shebang. Yep. And type B people were just like. That was legit. I didn't write anything down except for one sentence, and that's right. all I got to do with it. And that's type, God is love. <laughs> right. And type C, I don't, if you're type C, you probably don't even know you're a type C. But type D are the people who, um, for lack of a better word, are generally, they're the people who they, they, they know who they are. They're unapologetic about who they are, and they don't give a crap about what you think about them. They right. will say whatever comes to mind, and they, for, for lack of a better word, type D people tend to have a bully personality and a bully complex. Until they get pushed back, and then that's when type D's come out crazy. Right. Um, so those are those are those are your basic types. Um, but you got your type D personality, which is normally those people who they say whatever they want, and they don't care what anyone says about them. Right. Um, a lot of times you see this, and, and people try to be type D on social media until someone writes them back, and then you know it turns into a big cry fest. Um, but your type D people are the ones that say what they want to say, whether it's right or wrong. It's because they believe it and they, mm-hmm. they, they just roll with it. Um, and, and that's not necessarily what rebuking means. Rebuking's not it's something where a type D person stands up and they slam someone over the head, but rebuking, and this is the way I've always done it, is the gentle come alongside, Hey, this is what the Bible said is right. Here's what you're doing. It's not correct. So what can we do about it to help it's, you come along in the journey? It's almost like a a B heart with a D mentality. Almost. Okay. No, no, no. Flesh that out so, a little bit. So what I mean by that is <clears throat> uh, type B people typically are carefree. Right. Yeah, very they, yeah. very laid back, very relaxed, go with the flow. Uh, they're hippies. They're, yeah. <laughs> but they typically don't uh, search out for uh, adversaries or anything like that. You know, they're not, they're not looking for a fight. Right, they no, no, they're not looking for a fight at all. And and type D is going to say what's on their mind and their opinion regardless. And so if you mesh those two together, it, it's somebody who who cares, who's carefree, but is going to kind of say what what needs to what be needs said. to be said in a type but, A if, matter, right? With with, with steps sometimes. <laughs> I, I'm definitely I'm definitely a type B ish. Really, <laughs> I'm very carefree really? with. Some tendencies of type D in there. <laughs> no, I'm, t- I'm type A all the way, man. I want like 
in, in emergency situations, if you don't say exactly, here's the four steps you got to do, like stop, drop and roll. I got right. it. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm good to go. If, if someone goes into, you know, cardiac arrest and you hand me a sheet of paper with steps, I can take care of it. But if you just say, just, just do what you got to do. I'm out. Do compressions. And nope. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Just, just give them, give them the Heimlich. You didn't tell me how to do the Heimlich, bro. I don't know what I'm doing. Step one. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I need. Yeah. So, so back to the types and, and, and handling the tongue. Could you blame how God made you on how you use your tongue? Because obviously we're all different. We're all made in different ways. How I use my tongue will be different than how you do with, with regarding to speech and how we respond to certain situations. So can we actually say, you know what? I'm more of a this personality, so therefore I can go about this a different way. That's a fun question, huh? Yeah. Um, Notice how I asked you the hard question so, this time. So <laughs> just because I got you the past couple of times. <laughs> yep. That's all right. I'm going to go ahead and deflect and def- <laughs> so, yeah, deflect. So, so my thing would be is, uh, I, though we say, you know, you're type A, I'm a type B. We have these, these tendencies, these personalities. Uh, I think God changes us constantly <laughs> as we learn and grow. Uh, I used to be strictly type B where I'm going to state my opinion. Type, did I say type D? You said type B. I'm type D. I was strictly type D, as in dog. Uh, or doofus, but or, that's okay. Or doofus or dum-dum. Or dope. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean by that is that like, I was very uncaring, didn't care what you had to say. I was a bully with my words. Uh, I didn't care if people came back out at me with something. I didn't believe them. <laughs> my <laughs> yep. way is the right way, and you can hit the highway. That's kind of how I felt. And... Uh, as I grow more and more with God, uh, I see a lot of B and A coming in and you know, it's God's changed me. So to say I was a D now I'm a B tomorrow. I may be an A. I don't know which way God's taking me. <laughs> you look at Moses. Moses was born. A Hebrew was put in the Nile river. Then came into the Pharaoh's house and was raised up as a, as Pharaoh's godson. I had to think about something that. like, yeah, because it was his daughter that found him. Right. Yep. So it was raised as Pharaoh's godson. And then, you know, look at the journey that he went through and how many times that, that he probably um, had to change a little bit in his personality type. Right. And he, and he became, you know, someone who was a cowardly shepherd to a who couldn't I even couldn't talk. speak. Yeah. But but by the end, he wrote the stinking Pentateuch. Like, yeah, right. On. Exactly. And so uh, to say that you're this type of personality and then that sets your way for the rest of your life. It goes back to an episode we talked, I believe it was episode one, yes, of Does Our Past Affect Our Future? Yep, yep, and we, we agreed, but we disagreed with that whole statement because of the God factor is what I like right, to say. Yep. <laughs> um, same with this way. Uh, I believe the God factor can change us. So to make a, a statement, excuse me, <laughs> that was the coffee burp. Uh, <laughs> you can edit that one out. <laughs> no edits. <laughs> What was the question again? I just lost my train of thought. Um, the, the the fact of people blame their personalities and how they handle themselves. That's right. So uh, to, to blame your personality or say you're a certain type of personality, uh, you may be right now, but God will change you. So I, I don't think you can use your personality type to blame your tongue. Uh, Ephesians 421, I'm sorry, 429 says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. So the, how many, we've done at least 
six scriptures today that at least that talk about how God commands us. So in nowhere does he say, well, if you're type A, you know, this is how you handle this situation with your tongue. If you're a type B, you handle it this way. No, it's this is how we should do it. Uh, so to say that I I'm I speak this way and I don't control my tongue this way because of my type personality, um, I think is it's kind of like we're blaming our personality on, on on what it helps us make makes us feel better right. because oh I can't change That's, who I am and it, how I to am. To me, it's kind of like blaming a president for the state of the country today. You know, he was just elected, like just just all right from Obama to Bush to Reagan to Clinton to Trump, uh, and then Oprah. I, I hear. <laughs> I hear a lot of people like a month after they get in the office be like, "Oh, I blame this president on the way the economy is right now." It's like he's been only been in for a month. How can you blame something like it? it is, to me, it's the same way. You can't blame your tongue based on your type. Just like the country can't blame a president who's only been in the White House for a month on what's going on in the, or the same way the in the sports world. How a coach has taken over a team that's been right. unpoorly coached right. for the last seven years. Right. He's only been there for half a season. Exactly. Or whatnot. So let's land this plane because uh, we've had an interesting conversation. We've had a very, let's be honest, a uh, our brains weren't quite working in sync super well tonight with with this conversation. So we've said a lot of things. We kind of have a lot of things out on the table. We we've talked about how the tongue is is a is a tool. We've talked about how the tongue, who can control it, who can know it, it can start fires, it can cause trouble, it can provide good it can provide comfort it can provide shelter it can provide safety it can provide love and tenderness and, and kindness and and we talk, split it into these two pictures um and i i like that wolf illustration here where we have you know what we feed is what we get same way as this, this what we put in is what we come out right. what goes in printer will kick back out this is your opinion time and then i'll give you someone else's opinion because i don't like giving my own opinion all the time but in your opinion, what are some very practical, easy steps away for to feed the good in terms of feed the good side of how we use our tongue versus feed the part that can cause destruction? Dive into the Word of God and the prayer. So where would you start? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just having an honest conversation. Where would you start if someone said, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to read my Bible. Should I start in Leviticus? I would start in Proverbs. Hmm, okay. Now, why Proverbs? It's all about a man talking to his... Uh, uh, Solomon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Solomon talking to his son right, for right, the first part. Exactly. So it's uh, it's all about wisdom being given. So And, and then and, wisdom applied, let's be honest. Right, exactly. So um, if you're wanting to know how you should act and what's the wise way to do things, I would start in Proverbs. That's, yeah, and then maybe follow up with James. Where yeah. Because James is all about reflecting Christ, putting right. your money where your mouth is. If yep. you say you're a Christian, well, you probably should live like right. it too. And then I'd probably jump into Romans. That's where I would jump. Because, I mean, if you're you know, looking at um, sin and what Christ did for us and really reapplying that to your life. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to tell you what Jonathan Edwards did. So for That's those what? who don't know, Jonathan Edwards was, in my opinion, a very boring preacher in the uh, the Great Awakening who's— I mean, if apparently he he was no Billy Graham. No, he read his sermons, and then when when people would start getting loud, he would say, "You know, please respect the word of God." He actually um, he had a resolution that he would not do anything fun or laugh on the Sabbath. I don't know how you can do that. So I don't think he was the nicest guy to be around. Yeah. But well, um, but but at the end of the day, I mean, Jonathan Edwards in the colonial time. 
flared up revolution mm-hmm. in terms of not revolution for war, but revolution to, to get people's minds and hearts back into God. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had this whole series of resolutions that he wrote starting when he was like 17 years old or 19 or something like that. Um, and he committed himself to doing these resolutions. And he said, in order to live a God centered life, lived in harmony with others. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had these resolutions where with his tongue, he wanted to make sure that he used his tongue for good um, and for building up and for encouraging, but only when the time came. Because, you know, we see a lot of times social justice in terms of um, in the world, a lot of bad things in the world. And let's be honest, Christians don't speak out about them. Right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just throw it all out there. I actually get very mad about separation of children and parents down at the border. I don't agree to that. Um, and I know other people will disagree with me about that. Um, I have a very hard time with, with treating humanity as if they're animals. I have a very hard time with, um, people wanting to just shove people in a box and shut up and go away. I have a very hard time when people who are supposed to have a voice are told, you know, you know what, you, you need to just sit down and shut up because you're, you're logical right now. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where as, as a Christian, as a believer, specifically even in my role as, as a pastor and mentor to, to a lot of teenagers, I need to tell my teenagers when I see evil, that's when it's time to step up and mm-hmm. speak up. And I think that's what Jonathan Edwards was trying to say there, where never speak evil of any except if I have some particular good call to it. Um, so to call evil, evil and, and call good, good. But, but me personally, how do I make sure my tongue is in check with where I am? My question for myself is always, well, where's my heart in this? Um, a lot of times when I'm using my tongue poorly, it's because I either have a bad attitude about something. Um, normally I'm stressed when I'm stressed and I'm anxious and I'm tired and I'm worried. Um, my control freak comes out Mm -hmm. and I just want people to go away. So I use my tongue in such a way to drive people away. Um, and then you got to do the gut reality check of, okay, why am I actually saying what I'm saying? And is this something, and this is why I wear my, my wristband, what would Jesus do in this situation? Would he speak kindness? Would he just go away? Because we see Jesus retiring to the mountains. We see Jesus taking a nap. Maybe maybe I need to take a nap. I don't know. But the easiest practical way for me to make sure that my tongue is in check is knowing, okay, where am I actually getting my source of, of peace and comfort from? Am I getting my source and peace and comfort from my, my accolades? Or am I getting my source and peace and comfort from my abilities and my relationships and my friendships? Or am I getting them strictly from God himself in right. terms of um, you're a child of mine. You are loved. You are called to go do this. So what, what am I putting into my system? Am I putting in stuff that feeds the anger and the right. anxiousness and the worry and the jealousy and all these different things, or am I feeding the good side, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience? So a follow-up question to that then. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we've all gone through things that are not the most pleasant. Nope. And if you haven't, there's those who have and those who will. <laughs> um, what do we do in those times to control? I, I mean... Um, you know, something bad happens and, and your n- initial gut reaction is what, and how, how do we control those initial gut reactions with our tongue? Part of it, I think goes back to knowing who you are. Um, for me, I know that normally my first reaction of what comes out of my mouth is never good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whenever a bad situation comes up and I first find out about it, what comes out of my mouth is never, it's got no Jesus right. <laughs> in it at all. In fact, it's normally full of anger and hatred. Um, so I know for me, and this was something that I actually was counseled on, um, when, when I first got married and in part of our premarital counseling is for me, I need to step away and process. Mm -hmm. Um, so when bad situations come for me, um, you know, I can't always just get up and leave. I mean, I got kids, I got a job, I got all these different things. Um, but for me, I actually remove myself from the situation. Um, and normally if I can remove myself from the situation, I can process things. I can come at it more in a holistic sense in mm-hmm. terms of asking the, asking the why questions, the how questions, the what, um, seeking for understanding. Um, cause normally when a bad situation comes, um, I mean, we all have situations that we're dealing with right mm-hmm. now. Um, normally the gut reaction is your sinfulness coming out. Um, so how do we change that? How do we make it to where, uh, we're so much like Christ that our initial gut reaction is Christ like, that's a hard one. I mean, that's that's where the rubber meets the road, um, especially because right. this is a, this is a problem with me. My my tongue has always always been a problem. Um, the I've I've noticed that I've I've never had a quick fix, but I have gotten better as time has gone on. Um, mainly because I know where my source of identity comes from. I know where my source of hope comes from. Um, honestly, one of the passages I hold on to is when Jesus comes back, He'll make all things new. Right. Um, and if I know that he will make all things new, that means he will come back. And like the apostles creed said, he'll judge the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. So I know that, you know what, I don't need to go get vengeance on this person because right. God will take care of it. Um, but for me personally, what, what I tend to do is I literally ask the question is what I'm about to say going to help or is it going to make things worse? Right. That's what I've always done. Um, the golden rule do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Right. Um, my mom always taught me, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, which I don't always do, but, but that's the struggle that I'm having right now is how do I constantly keep my eyes focused on Jesus? Cause when hard times comes, you want to take them off. Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I guess for me, I look at Christ, Jesus, you know, we're called to be like Jesus, be perfect as I am perfect. And obviously I'm a realist. And so it's like, I'll never reach that. But, uh, Jesus suffered one of the most horrendous deaths. And in the light of that, he's sitting there saying, father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Like, you know, how, you know, if you look in all these situations that were hard situations for Jesus and how he handled them, he always handled them perfectly, obviously. And so, how did he do that? Where, how, how can I do that? Um, comes from the heart, uh, and it's deceitfully wicked and who can know it? Uh, I know that what comes out of our mouth, just we've, we've read several scriptures on it tonight about what comes out of our mouth is coming from what's in our heart. Right. So, you know, that, that old saying, if you don't have nothing so nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, it still doesn't fix the issue, which is my heart. And the only thing that can fix the issue is God. And so how how do we go about doing that? And I think, uh, you know, the Bible talks about to meditate upon his word day and night. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> by a show of hands, <laughs> who can do that? You know, that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I haven't met anybody once that can say, yeah, for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, I meditate upon God and his word. Um, 
But I think the reason why he, he tells us to do that is because it does tr- change our heart. It transforms our mind. It renews us. Uh, it makes us into a different person. And, and that's the good wolf. The good wolf is God. Back to that Cherokee parable. Mm-hmm. And the bad wolf is us. <laughs> our sinful ways. Our humanity. Uh, so if we focus on our humanity and how we're going to react and how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that, then we're feeding that bad wolf, which produces those bad things. But if we f- focus upon God and his word, it changes our heart. It, if we saturate ourselves in the word of God, it changes us. There's a reason why we're told to to uh, memorize his word. You know, as little child's children down in Awana, mm-hmm. memory verses, you know. All of them, man. Yeah. Write, write the word of God upon your heart. There's a reason why we're supposed to do that because it changes us from the inside. So that the words coming out are the words that Christ would have us speak. Right. So, so to sum it up, I mean, the, the, the easiest way to conclude this whole conversation is the fact of, A, if we have issues controlling our heart, or I'm sorry, if we have issues controlling our tongue, it, it's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. So if we're having issues with speaking kindness, speaking truth, not being able to hold our tongue, that, that might be a telltale sign that there's something deeper. Right going on and if we want to get our hearts in the right place we have to go to the place the one place that can fix our heart um, because we see you know the the heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it right um, and if our hearts deceitfully wicked why on earth do we think we can just fix our heart yeah why do think we could tame it <laughs> why do we think we can tame it I mean we're not able to I mean, I mean this is I wanted to go this way a little bit ago but we didn't really have time um, is the fact of you see so many unbelievers who actually have a they they speak truth and they right. speak grace and, and and they speak life um, and I think that's a common grace that, that God does give us because we all want what's better for, for, for humanity in, right. in some way, shape, or form. But it still stems down to the point of where is our standing with God? But if you look, <clears throat> going back to unbelievers, so here's the, the, the pivotal difference between believers and unbelievers. When a Christian typically does something, it's because of the love that God has given them and they are showing that love of God to others. Mm. When I go and I talk to somebody about Christ, it's not for my sake because if it was up to me, I'd be just sitting at home eating a bag of Cheetos back to the Cheetos. Back to Cheetos. <laughs> but because God loves them and God loves me and God showed me grace and mercy, I want to show it to them. When the world does good things, usually it's for self-satisfaction. I didn't even say that right. Satisfaction. There we go. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a feel good moment for them. Oh, I did this good thing, you know. Uh, secretly, mm-hmm. if we really look at the heart of everybody, I know when I was when I was an unbeliever, and I did something good, it's because I wanted that pat on the back. I wanted that attaboy, or I wanted uh, just to feel good about myself. I can give myself the attaboy, and so that's why I did something good. Whereas it's a little bit different for Christians, and that's that's the difference between somebody that has God and somebody who doesn't. Mm. It's the the unbeliever. They do good things, but it's all a facade. It's an oasis. You know, it's not. It's that facade of an oasis in the desert. It's not really there. <laughs> and, and, right. and with God, it is there. So no, that's cool. I like that. I think that's a good place to end it right there. Is without God, it's that oasis. Right. But with God, it's the real deal. So just like every podcast that we always end, Chris, it's time with. Let me try that again. <laughs> It's time for Fun Facts with Fuller. Fun Facts. Fun Facts. All right. So I, didn't, I didn't harmonize well. I apologize. The, the, <laughs> the fun fact of today is Dr. Seuss. So green eggs and ham started as a bet. 
the Dr. Seuss classic grew out of a bet with his editor that he could not create a book using fewer than 50 words. The editor, Bennett Kerf, I hope I say that last name right, it's C-E-R-F, founder of Ransom House, I'm sorry, Random House, put, you'll guess it, $50 on the line and lost. That's, that's pretty... That's- Dr. Seuss is amazing. You know, we're talking about words and controlling the tongue. 50 words or less. I didn't realize. I mean, I didn't go in there and like, oh, yeah, he only Let's used 50 words. Different words he used. Yeah. So that, I think that just proved that Dr. Seuss was is man. the man that we all want to be. He tamed his tongue for 50 <laughs> bucks. <laughs> and he got paid doing it. But hey, that's all the time we got for this one. So, Fuller, we'll see you next time, man. See you, buddy. Thank you for listening to Real Talk Christian. To help get our podcast into the ears of other people who need to hear these conversations, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. To keep the conversations going, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and share our content with others. See you next time.